You're listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSM, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville Local Lead Pastor, Joe Kuyar. Man, it is so good to be here tonight. It is so absolutely fantastic to be here tonight. I um, Before we get started with diving into God's Word, I just want to say this, that that word surrendered, right? What a powerful word that is. And when I was, and you'll see this in life, of, of kind of remembering where I was when I was in student ministry. They did have student ministry back then. Uh, it was a long time ago, but they had student ministry back then. <laughs> and I remember being a young man saying, God, I want... I want to serve you. I want to live surrendered to you. And my hope and prayer, even with everything that we're talking about tonight, and there's gonna be a lot, of, a lot of great things that we get to learn, but my hope and prayer is that you would live as people that are surrendered to Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that, that somehow through this talk that that would be best communicated, right? Um, and that I, we can kind of like talk a little bit about what God's done in my life and what God is doing in your life. So anyway, so we are today continuing our series in the book of John. And, um, and I know that this has been just such an awesome series. I love that you guys are going through this and I'm really excited to jump into today. So we're gonna be in John chapter three, verses 22 through 36. John chapter three, verses 22 through 36. And I have to say this, I have to say this, that Mr. Gabe asked me a couple weeks back, he was, hey, do you mind teaching tonight, and I I was was pretty excited about doing it, but he said, Joe, this is what I need for you to do. I need you to kind of talk a little bit about how you study God's word in in this context as we're we're going through this passage of scripture. So you're going to see a lot of stuff on the screen, and hopefully we'll all be able to keep up, but um, before we jump into it, let's, let's have a quick word of prayer, right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I, I pray that tonight that we'd be able to be open-handed in our obedience to you. Lord, I pray that as you reveal yourself, whether it's through scripture or whether it's through something that's said or something that the Holy Spirit is churning up inside of us, God, I pray that as you reveal yourself, Lord, God, I pray. John chapter three, verse 22, and you guys have been studying this. A, the, a main character in this part of scripture is John the Baptist. So I'm gonna talk about John the Baptist then I'm also gonna talk about John, the author of the book of John, right? So verse 22 says this, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the, into the Judean countryside. All right, we're gonna pause real quick because as we go through scripture and as we're studying scripture, it's really important to look for clues to try to understand what, what's being said to be able to kind of get the best understanding of what's going on. And we already have a clue. We already have a clue. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, and we have a location clue. We have a location clue. I think that's up there. Yep. You see that? So he was in the Judean countryside, and where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing near Anon in Salem because there was plenty of water, and people were coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. Now that parentheses thing, that's kind of important too. Why, why, why do you think it would be important? I know you guys are in school. I'm gonna ask you guys to raise your hand. 
<laughs> Why do you think that would be important? Boom. Okay, no, it's okay. Why do you think the, the, the part in parentheses, this was before John was put in prison. Why, why, why could that be important? Anyone? That, that it, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's giving us a timestamp. It's telling us that this was before John was put in prison, right? And so we, also in the text, we have another clue of what's going on here. So in verse 25, it says this, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about. Look, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. Okay, now, I know that it's probably not best to, to like, synthesize what this voice could have sounded like, but the way I'm reading this is, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about, look, he's baptizing, and everyone is going to him. That just sounds so whiny to me, right? But this is the thing. This, is, this reveals something. This reveals the problem. There's a big problem that's going on here. Now, what could be some of the problems? We're, we're, I'm going to call on you guys again because I'm, I'm kind of a teacher of sorts. So raise your hand. Yeah. That, that could, that's, that's good. Let's, let's get another... And, and you guys are going to have to speak up because I feel like I'm a million miles away from you guys. So, uh, Rachel, was that your, you in the back? Yeah, go ahead. Hit it. That is a key word here. That is a key word here. John's disciples are jealous of the ministry that Jesus is doing. John's disciples are, are jealous of what Jesus is doing. Which I know on this side of things seems absolutely absurd, but I think that we can think about times in our life where we've been jealous of, of someone having something maybe nicer or something working out for somebody else, right? We can, I mean, I, I know that I've been jealous in my life. I'm sure you guys have been jealous, right? And that's exactly what John's disciples, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Okay, I don't, like, like honestly, like, I, it feels like all of a sudden we're, we're in, like, some cultural language that I don't understand. And it's kind of important to, to highlight that because I, I feel like that that's a clue also in trying to study this passage. Like, I need, when I, when I came across this and I was reading, I was like, I've got to understand this. Like, what does it mean for, that the bride belongs to the bridegroom? And once I started diving into all this, there is a ton of stuff in this. Now, John is essentially looking, like, as, he's, as John the Baptist is saying all this, he's essentially creating this metaphor, and he's saying that he is the best man at a wedding between Jesus and Jesus' followers. Now, you guys have all been to a wedding, right? All they have to do is, like, handle the ring, right? They're, they're kind of like, hey, cool, here's the ring. <laughs> and it's not a whole lot of responsibility. But back, back in, in this time period, back when this was being written, the, the, the best man actually arranged tons of details about the wedding. 
and, brought, and actually brought the bride to the groom. So this is a significant thing. This, this statement that John is saying is pretty significant. John the Baptist understands that Jesus is the bridegroom, that he is to be the focus, and that John himself is not to be the focus at all. John stresses, John stresses to his disciples a secondary role. He is not the man of the hour. He recognizes that Jesus is the man of the hour, right? And, and so he's setting up this metaphor so that his disciples would actually understand what's going on. The friend who attends the bridegroom uh, waits and listens for him. Uh, sorry, let's go back to the verse, right? The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. John's saying this, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. And then John says a statement that is this powerful, powerful, powerful statement. He must become greater, I must become less. I'm gonna say that one more time because it's so significant. He must become greater, I must become less. Now, I have to tell you, this is it. This is it. I mean, if I could like take a passage of scripture and just apply it in the deepest way in my life, I would want this to be uh, demonstrated in the best ways possible, that, that Jesus must become greater and I must become less. And the, the thing that's, that's happening here is that this is one of the, the greatest transitions in the Bible. Like, so we, we, we know that we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, and what John is saying is that the old ways of things, that, that needs to fade out, that, that Jesus is bringing a new era of things. He's changing how God relates to us. And we're so thankful. We, we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, we, this is what John is saying. He's forecasting this. He's saying that coming up soon, listen, you're gonna have a personal re- relationship with Jesus. And the reason why John is able to say this because John, first of all, was given that by God, but John is also able to say this because he had a real encounter with Jesus. And that kind of brings me to point number one. Point number one, if you're writing down points, taking down notes, point number one is this. I want you to live like you've encountered Jesus. I want you to live like you've encountered Jesus. John was able to fully understand his place because he had come in contact with someone so much greater than himself. And I'll say this, even in my own life, when I came in contact with Jesus, it changed everything about my life, right? When you come in contact with something magnificent, everything, everything in your world changes. Your priorities change, how you organize your life changes, like what you say changes. When you come in contact with something magnificent, it changes your full perspective, right? And we see this echoed in other parts of scripture. Uh, Jesus actually describes this. He knows that this is, this is how we respond when we, when we interact with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. In other words, when this man found this treasure, He said, all chips in. I'm going after this thing. I'm gonna buy the whole field because it's worth everything I have for for this treasure, right? Then Jesus also says in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
What Jesus is saying is that when we find him, when we find the kingdom of heaven, that it's worth everything that we have, that we, we discard everything because this becomes the treasure. This becomes the focus. Everything else falls secondary to this, right? And that's exactly what happened with John. That's why John was able to say the statement that, that Jesus must become greater and I must become less because Jesus had had a real, or John had had a real encounter with Jesus. Now I'm gonna continue on with this, with this passage of scripture and we're gonna be in verse 31 and what I wanna say about verse 31, this is kind of tricky, right? And, and I know that some of you guys, some of your versions of, of the Bible have quotation marks here, right? And some of your versions probably don't. And the backstory of this is that this next part, this next section, scholars are not really sure if this is John the Baptist talking or if this is John, the writer of the Gospel of John, talking. But either way, this is what I love about Scripture. We're not exactly sure of the, who the author is at this moment, right? But what we know is that the message is still the same. And we've seen that message echoed throughout all of Scripture. And I love, uh, that's something I love about God's Word is that you see the echoing of the same message throughout all of Scripture, right? So verse 31 says this, the one who comes from heaven is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. God gives a spirit without limit. Okay, we're looking for clues again, right? When I saw that, I was like, huh, I need to dive into this a little bit more. God gives the spirit without limit. The reality is that Jesus is the most reliable source that we have because he has, he has the Holy Spirit without limit. He has the Holy Spirit in full abundance without limit, right? And so when we hear Jesus' words, when we see Jesus' words, we know we can trust him because he has the Holy Spirit without limit. But this is the whole thing. We understand that, by the way, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. Like we have the Holy Spirit. We have this gift also, right? John, I'm gonna move on to John 14, verses 16 and 17. This will be up on the screen. And it says this, I will, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because, neither, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Guys, we get this, like if we're following Jesus, we get to house the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a pretty remarkable thing. That's a pretty amazing thing. And this gift that we've been given it, it, it's, it's pretty special. And, and so I, it kind of leads me to point number two, which is I want you to live like the Holy Spirit dwells in you. I want you to live like the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And I want you to live that way. You know, I want to kind of rewind back in time a little bit. And, um, and, and I'm not sure if it was because I was going to be teaching tonight or if if the Lord just brought it to my mind because, because of just whatever uh, for tonight. But um, 
When I was a student, and this is a long time ago, <laughs> when I was a student, I deeply believed that the Holy Spirit dwelled in me and that I could see God do the miraculous. I really, I, I fully did. I, I, the, I started following Jesus when I was eight years old, but really that, that commitment kind of became a ton deeper when I was about 14, 15 years old. It's something kind of clicked inside of me and I was like, man, I, I really, I believe this fully and I believe that God can move miraculously. And I saw the Lord work miraculously in my, in my own life. The other day I was driving in Simpsonville and back when I was driving this point, right? <laughs> uh, maybe it was 16, I think I was 16. Anyway, driving 16 years old and I was driving on this country road late at night and I remembered driving and coming up to a hill, and I remember this still small voice saying, you know, you probably should slow down because there could be a cow on the other side of that hill. And no, I know, right? There could be a cow on the other side of that hill. And so I'm driving, and I go, huh, I probably should slow down. So I started slowing down, right? And I get over the hill, and sure enough, there was a cow in the middle of the road. Now, let me tell you this. You probably have seen accidents where you've, like, people have hit deer and all like that. If you hit a cow, it's bad news. <laughs> like, 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 it's really, really bad news. Like, your car is an absolute mess. You're probably a mess, right? If I'm just being honest with you, like, it's probably very, really dangerous for you. And it was that still small voice I, that I fully believe was the Holy Spirit saying, hey, slow down, there's danger ahead, right? Um, when I was 16 years old, I... <laughs> when I was 16 years old, I, I remember a story. I was riding with a buddy of mine to a Bible study, right? And we were driving in a car to this Bible study, and his car broke down on the side of the road. And to give, I know, I know this is hard to imagine, but there, there weren't cell phones. Like, there were, <laughs> I know, I know, ah, bonkers, right? Like, if you're stuck on the side of the road, which, by the way, my car broke down all the time, so I was stuck on the side of the road a good bit, like you just started walking somewhere. You started walking and like hoping that somebody would maybe pick you up and take you to a payphone or something like that, right? And so car breaks down on the side of the road. We're on our way to a Bible study and we're trying to work on the car. It's not working at all. It's not working at all. And my buddy who just was just so full of faith was like, Joe, I think we need to get out of the car and pray for the car. Like lay hands on the car and pray for it. We just need a part. Like we need to, like this, it doesn't work this way, right? And he was like, his name was Cliff, and Cliff was like, Joe, I really think we need to, to get out of the car and, and like lay hands on the car and pray for it. And we didn't have a lot of options. I mean, we're stuck on the side of the road, and so it was like, yeah, sure, Cliff. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go pray for the car, right? <laughs> you know? And we get out of the car, and we pop the hood, <laughs> lift up the hood, and we go to the front of the car, and we lay hands on the car and, and say this prayer of like, well, God, we were trying to get somewhere, and the car wasn't working. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll heal the car. I pray, I don't, I don't, I don't like, will you, will, you, will you fix this car? I don't know, like, will you heal it, right? And, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's fully in it. I mean, he is, like, fully committed to this thing. And I'm kind of, like, along for the ride. And I'm like, in Jesus' name, amen. So we tell you, like, it's stories like that that were so formative how many of you guys are 15 years old? Raise your hand. How many of you guys are 16 years old? 
What I'm saying is it's stories like that that were formative for my life. I'm gonna share one more story, all right? Do I have time to share one more story? I think I have time. I've got time to share one more story. I'm gonna share one more story. When I was 15 years old, I went on a missions trip to Mexico, all right? Um, and it was a really, really long drive. We drove there. I don't know why we drove there. I don't know why you couldn't have gotten in a plane and gone over there, but we, we drove to Mexico, and it was a really, really long drive. And when I was 15 years old, the guy who was leading the missions trip at the time, um, I had a Bible in my hands, and he said, hey, there's a Sunday night service. This was after Sunday morning service. He goes, it was... He goes, hey, there's a Sunday night service. Do you mind teaching at the Sunday night service in Mexico tonight? And all I had was a Bible, right? <laughs> um, and so I did teach, and it was miserable. It was miserable. It wasn't a great lesson, um, but, but, but we got it done. But what I'll say is that during that trip, we kind of had a base of operations, and we went to different parts, right? And there was one area in Mexico that we went to that had a lot of... Uh, Demonic stuff, a lot of witchcraft, a lot of things that's, that's not good at all, right? And I remember when I was 15 years old that we were giving the gospel message and we were talking about Jesus and we were talking about what Jesus could do and then we, we got to the point in which we asked people, do you want to follow Jesus? And once we started down this prayer of asking people if they wanted to follow Jesus, all around us, um, as soon as we said the name Jesus, all around us, animals started going crazy. Animals started going crazy at the name of Jesus. Which, because of that area having so, much, so many problems, didn't surprise us one bit. What I'll say is that when you see miraculous things like that, and by the way, people placed their faith in Jesus and were transformed by Jesus during that trip um, because of that opportunity, right? When you see things like that at that age, it changes your whole perspective. And I guess I want you to know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And God can do the miraculous. You just have to look for it. And you have to ask God to see it, right? And those miraculous things that I saw at that age transformed my life. And it's part of the reason why at where I'm at in my life now, I have such a foundation of following Jesus. I wanna keep on going. Verse 35 says this. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. This is really scary. This is a really scary passage of Scripture. Essentially, those who have accepted Jesus have eternal life, right? And those who have rejected Jesus, they, they're not going to see life, and God's wrath remains on them. And that leads me to point number three, and this is probably maybe the most important point out of all these things. But even at your age, I want you to live with eternity in mind. I want you to live with eternity in mind. 
let me just say this. Life moves very quick. It moves very, very quick. And just because you're younger, it doesn't mean that you are not, you don't have, you're absent of, of thinking about what's coming up next. And I know for some of you that's like maybe going into high school or maybe what's coming up next, the big thing is like when I graduate high school and I go to college, right? But I want you to, I want you to zoom out. I want you to think bigger than that. I want you to, to think with and live with eternity in mind. And the reality is that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life, all right? And listen, I'm not trying to scare anybody. If you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus, you have eternal life. Don't let anybody scare you out of that. We sang about surrender. This is my surrender. This is my surrender, right? And if you have surrendered yourself to Jesus, then it should change the way you live right now, every single day. And I guess some questions I would want to ask and some even questions I ask myself is, how does my everyday living reflect that I know Jesus? How, does my every, how do my interactions with others reflect that I know Jesus? Do, do my choices look like I know Jesus? Do, do my words like indicate that I know Jesus? Do, 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 do I live like I have a savior? And I hope, I hope that answer is yes. But by the way, that, that's, those are questions that you should ask yourself. When you wake up in the morning, you have a choice. You have to decide who is going to be greater, you or Jesus. And that's what John the Baptist understood is that he understood that, that Jesus had to be greater. And this choice, this decision, like just because you're, you're younger, that doesn't mean that you're absent of that. This, it's important for you to wake up every day and, and make the choice, is Jesus going to be greater in my life today? Or am I going to become greater? Is Jesus going to become less or am I gonna become less? And that's the choice that it doesn't matter if you're 15, it doesn't matter if you're 41, it doesn't matter if you're 61, it doesn't matter if you're 81. This is the choice that we as followers of Jesus have to make every single day is determining who is going to be greater in our lives. Guys, I know this was super, super intense, <laughs> and so I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's the message that I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart to be able to share tonight, and I know that uh, we're going to have small groups and all like that afterwards to talk through some of this stuff. Um, it's, it's an important thing to sing about, but what I want to do is I actually want to kind of position our bodies in a way that, that we're kind of demonstrating that. So can we, can we pray real quick? Can we stretch out our hands, and we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, we love you. We know that this life that you've given us is not our own to fully craft. And Jesus, we ask, just like we sang earlier, we ask to live a life that is surrendered to you. That, Lord, that you would become greater and that, Lord, that we would become less, that we would live as people that know you, that we would live as people that have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that, Lord, that we would live as people with the eternal in our minds, that we, what you are doing today, and, Lord, that we would be obedient to you every day and every moment. God, we love you, and we honor you. It's in your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Renovation Student Ministries podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.